This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Ready? Okay. Give me a beach. Beach! Give me great food. Tacos! Give me adventure. Hiking! Give me a date night. Sunset cruise! Give me some smiles. Cheese! Give me more beaches. Beaches! What's that spell? San Diego! If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Hello and welcome to Food Stuff. I'm Annie Rees. And I'm Lauren Vogelbaum. And today we're adjusting our microphones and also talking about pineapple. Yep, another food that Lauren can't have. Yeah. It's so delicious. Do you remember how? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. This this is one that I actually get some of the most sympathy out of other people for when I mention it. People are like, I'll be like listing things off and I get to pineapple and they're like, oh, no, really? What? How? (laughs) I feel the same way when people tell me they don't like pineapple. I'm like affronted. (laughs) That can't be true. Uh, But thanks to listener Aaron. Uh, we know it might be an intolerance to the enzyme bromelain, which is only in fresh pineapple, meaning canned pineapple and juice could be fine. Could be fine if that's the problem that I'm having. Uh, bromelain, by the way, is broken down by heat, which is applied as part of the canning and juice making process, which is why it's not in canned uh, juice and fruit. Right. Mm-hmm. And we got a lot of requests for pineapple when I mentioned in passing that the history of pineapple might be a lot of fun, but I had no idea. And spoiler alert... Not so fun? Oh, it's it's more fun than some other things. Some of it's really fun. Some of it I love. Yes. It is awesome. But before we get into that, let's let's do our basic like like what is it? Yes. Pineapples are a tropical fruit and their mother plant actually looks really cool. Yeah. If you want to look it up. Um it's made up of a bunch of different small fruits that have combined around the core. Uh, that's what all the, the segments or eyes on the fruit are. They're, they're evidence of the individual berries that all grow from individual flowers on the plant's single central stem. Right. I had no idea. Yeah. That's great. That, yeah. It's really, it's really cool and like only a little bit like Cronenbergian. Yes. I've heard that word three times a day. That's the type of day I'm having. Anyway. <laughs> oh, no. Uh, they can oh. grow um, up to 1.5 meters or about 4.9 feet tall, which is also larger than I would have guessed. Yeah. And pineapple harvesting still has to be done largely by hand. It takes about two years for a pineapple to grow, and harvesters walk through the crop in these thick suits to protect themselves from those spiky leaves. Mm-hmm. And uh, once the crop is harvested, the field is, quote, knocked down to make way for a new growing cycle. Yeah, because they kind of grow, they're, they're sort of weed-like at a certain point. So if you don't totally knock the field down, then you'll get weird little errant 
plants that uh, aren't, aren't as high quality as the stuff that you're putting in there on purpose. Also, in order to match demand year-round, pineapples can be forced to flower through chemical means. And so that's how we keep up a fresh supply of pineapple all year. Oh, I see. Mm-hmm. And if you're looking for a fresh pineapple at the store and you're wondering, well, how in the world do I know what is a good pineapple? This is something <laughs> I have thought to myself. Uh, you want to look for one that has green leaves that don't really fall off when you pull them mm-hmm. and a firm body. Okay. And unlike most fruits, pineapples don't ripen more once they've been picked because they draw their sweetness from their starch base. Uh, but generally, though, the sooner you eat them, the better. And if you cut it up, Sort in the refrigerator, that does go bad pretty quickly, I think. Yeah. So. But unto themselves, they can hang out for a while. Yeah. And you've probably only had one type of pineapple, and that's the MD2 cultivar, which is a hybrid that was developed to preserve the sweetness while also lowering the acidity and preventing browning, which was a problem for the previously <laughs> most popular fresh pineapple type called smooth cayenne. Which makes up more than half of the MD2 hybrid. Yeah. Uh, But yeah, there's way more varieties than that. Oh, way more. Varieties I never, I had never known. No, and there is a place in Hawaii where they uh, sell at least 20 different varieties. I remember reading the different types. Oh, what what, what did they taste like? Were they all basically pineapple or? No, they have different tastes, I think. Um, I, I believe the smooth cayenne was the sweetest. Huh. So okay. I imagine that these varieties would be less, less sweet. Huh. Yeah. I would love to try a different type of pineapple. Right. Ugh. Oh, or I mean, I guess I wouldn't yes. because it would I, make I me would try very to sick. explain it to oh. you in a way that was both not going to make you jealous, but also describe the flavor accurately. It'd be oh. difficult. <laughs> it would. Uh, the pineapples that we eat are seedless. Because uh, right. you grow a new pineapple by rooting a piece of an existing plant. Yeah, um, and to form the seed, you need pollination, and hummingbirds are the most frequent pollinators, but seed formation isn't great for the quality of the fruit, which is why Hawaii prohibits importation of hummingbirds. No hummingbirds in Hawaii. No, and who's importing hummingbirds? I don't, I don't know, just, yeah, like, like, hey, Bob, I need 20 hummingbirds, step. I'm not sure why that was in that accent. Anyway, um, they're pretty easy to grow on your own, though. Yeah. You just take the crown from the plant, put it somewhere dry and dark for a week so it'll harden, and then in an 8-inch porous pot with good drainage, lay down a layer of gravel and then a layer of light soil and 30% composted material. Oh, Oh my goodness. We both just put our hand on our hip. (laughs) Uh, And from there, yeah, you just let it grow. And once it starts to grow, you want to move it to a 12-inch pot with the same conditions. I'm determined to try this. I can't believe it would be this easy. But I'll find out. That's I've heard that it can take a while to to get it to to really take. But right. But there, there's this nice fellow who hangs out sometimes in uh, your your decab farmers market, <laughs> which is a local market around here in Atlanta. Um, who he'll just hang out near the pineapples and kind of like wait for someone to come up to the pineapples and then tell them about this. It's it's actually very sweet. <laughs> like the pineapple. Yeah. Next time I go there, maybe I will run into him. Look out for him. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, similarly to cauliflower, the pineapple is another example of the golden ratio in nature. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And when it, when it's fresh, it is pretty healthy. It's high in vitamin C and manganese, especially, um, which helps your immune system and bone strength, among loads of other things. It is also chock full of fructose, though. Yeah. So, you know, just in moderation. Right. Mm-hmm. Aforementioned bromelain, which is an enzyme found in pineapple, it can be used as a meat tenderizer and cut fruit preserver, Hmm. and it's sometimes used as an anti-inflammatory. There aren't many studies or any that conclusively (laughs) show this, like conclusively. Right. Um, Researchers are currently looking at bromelain's cancer-fighting properties as well. A thing that I did not know, unripe pineapple is toxic (laughs) and can cause just really bad diarrhea and vomiting kind of issues. Right. Um, also, apparently, eating a lot of pineapple cores, um, which not everyone eats, but they are edible, uh-huh. can lead to the formation of something called fiber balls in the digestive tract. <sighs> oh, that sounds awful. I don't know what it means, and I don't honestly want to. Uh, but speaking of fiber, fibers from the leaves of pineapple are sometimes woven into embroidery thread, cloth, and paper in uh, places like Brazil and the Philippines. Oh. Huh. Despite its association with Hawaii, 
Hawaii is not the top producer, um, not anymore at least. And, and it's not even where they're native to. No, no. Uh, instead, in 2014, the top producers were Costa Rica, Brazil, and the Philippines, with a total worldwide production equaling 25.4 million tons. Ooh. And behind applesauce and peaches, pineapple is the most canned fruit. Hmm. And behind the Pearl Harbor bombing site, the Dole Pineapple Plantation is the most visited tourist attraction in Hawaii. Wow. As of 2015, the pineapple industry was a $9 billion industry. It's a lot of pineapples. Yeah. That's uh, nothing to sneeze at, pineapple. (laughs) Um, So how did the pineapple grow to become this massive industry? Well, in order to determine that, we have to go thousands of years back to stuff that we're not entirely certain about. Yay! Yay! History! History. Uh Uh-huh. So we know that pineapples originated in South America, most likely in the region of like Brazil or Paraguay, uh, somewhere around there. And they were domesticated as long as as 6,000 years ago or more, possibly by the Tupi people and or by the Guarani people. And from there, they spread throughout the continent to Central America, Mexico, and the uh, West Indies and or Caribbean, depending on what you would like to call it. The plant was called by the locals um, the nana, which could mean excellent fruit. I've also me- seen its meaning listed as perfumed. Mm-hmm. But either way, this is where we get the scientific name for pineapples, which is Ananas comosus. In addition to being eaten raw or cooked, pineapple juice was also fermented to make wine and liquors. Mm. And it was, and in some regions still is, used medicinally due to that uh, bromelain content for a whole bunch of different things as a cure for gastrointestinal parasites and other stomach problems, um, to cure skin problems like corns and warts, to stimulate menstrual flow, and to induce abortion. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> Didn't see that one coming. Uh, non-edible cultivars were grown for the strong fiber in their leaves, aforementioned, still used in like embroidery and, and fine, fine goods like that. Um, uh, way back when was woven to make stuff like clothing and hammocks and fishing nets. Wow. Quite useful, the pineapple, it seems. Mm-hmm. <laughs> in 1493, Christopher Columbus. Mr. Christopher Columbus. Yes, he's popped up a couple times. Mm-hmm. He stumbled upon the pineapple when he stopped on Guadalupe, and he called it Pina de Indies, or Pine of the Indians, in his journal. Um, he described it as resembling a pine cone, but a sweet fruit with an apple's firmness. He returned to Spain with some pineapples, where it was a huge hit. <laughs> People loved how sweet it was. I mean... Humanity and our sweet tooth. Right? It's really kind of shaped history in just a way I did not anticipate. Very intensely, yeah. Anyway, when they tried to grow their own pineapples in Europe, or more particularly in England, they found little to no success due to the non-tropical weather for this tropical plant. Holland did have some some success, however, and Dutchman Pierre de la Corte van der Voort... <laughs> sorry about it, um, is credited with growing the first pineapple in Europe in 1658. Um, so they had to import them, which was crazy time-consuming and expensive, and the fruit often arrived bruised and or rotten. Yeah, because without refrigeration, it's a really difficult thing to do. And and pineapples can't survive frost, is, is the thing about growing them. Um, they do best in temperatures above 65 degrees Fahrenheit, a.k.a. like 18 degrees Celsius. Other famous... Dudes who were roaming around the oceans. Magellan. Yeah. Magellan got in the pineapple game after he discovered them in Brazil in 1519, which increased the import of pineapples into Europe. Um, They often arrived candied or covered in syrup, though, since the transport of the fruit was so difficult. Mm -hmm. And during the 16th century, Spain and Portugal introduced the pineapple to places like Hawaii, although the first recorded mention of it was in 1813. Um, Guam, the Philippines, Zimbabwe, 1550 in India, 1594 in China, and South Africa in 1655. And it's around this time the word pineapple first appeared in print, um, and it got its name thanks to its resemblance to a pine cone. Previously, pineapple was used to describe pine cones and the word pine cone also popped up in text for the first time in 1664, which makes sense. Also, 
How how disappointing would it be if you oh. heard the word pineapple and you picked up a pine cone and thought maybe I could eat this somehow and and you you just you, can't no no I guess you could use it to smoke other foods that would be delicious there are other uses for yeah. sure. Mm-hmm. Due to the high cost of refined sugar, the low availability of sweets and pineapple's rarity, it very quickly became a, a symbol of wealth. Mm-hmm. Uh, King Charles II commissioned a painting of himself receiving a pineapple from his gardener as as a display of, I don't know, what what would you put it as? Like wealthitude. Wealthitude. <laughs> <laughs> royalness yep yeah uh royals would often give them as as gifts when they were looking to just super impress somebody yeah and you should look up the painting because it's great um and in 1700s colonial america pineapples imported from the caribbean islands due to how perishable and rare they were could cost as much as eight thousand dollars what in today's money eight thousand dollars that's a very expensive piece of fruit mm-hmm and since much of the colonies were like my car isn't worth that much <sighs> please please continue oh my okay. gosh <laughs> crazy <laughs> <laughs> um since m- much of the colonies at the time were like small hubs of activity a lot of the entertaining went on in people's homes and when well-off colonists wanted to show off just how well off they were um, and also hospitable, also, um, they would display a pineapple at dinner parties. But like display. Display. Like, its main use was decoration. It was the center of these big fruit and food piles and mounds, and it'd be revealed at the, when the moment was right, they would throw open the doors and behold. And behold, we have all of this food and it's crowned by the majestic pineapple. <laughs> And they'd only eat them once they, like, started to go bad. Oh, no. No, that's so sad for the pineapple. I know. And for those poor souls who couldn't afford a pineapple, there was still hope for you. Uh, you There was a pineapple rental market. Is... <laughs> okay. Yes, you heard that correctly. There's a pineapple <laughs> rental market, and the enterprising pineapple sellers, are, and it's usually bakers um, who use pineapples in desserts, and they were pretty in the loop about who was having dinner parties, uh, so they could they knew who to approach. And they would rent out pineapples before selling them, and people would carry them around at parties. I can't imagine a more comfortable accessory. <laughs> Being someone who has held on to a pineapple for like a decent amount of time during that one photo shoot that we did, oh, yeah. like I can say that that's not that wouldn't be my first choice. No, uh. Better than spiky pain melon? Yes, by far. Oh, spiky pain melon. Oh. I kind of want to just carry around a pineapple for a day and see what kind of comments I get. Um, but anyway, George Washington <laughs> named it his favorite chocolate fruit after trying it in Barbados in 1751. And it's around this time in the 1760s that the pineapple as the symbol of friendship and hospitality started to become Really trendy. Super trendy. Yeah. Pineapples were on napkins, tablecloths, wallpaper, bedposts, pineapple-shaped dishes. They were on the gateposts outside of residences, on the backs of chairs, on weather vanes of important public buildings, pineapple-shaped candelabras and pitchers, door knockers. In the Caribbean, you'd put a pineapple or a pineapple crown outside your door to represent friendship. Ah, uh. They were everywhere. <laughs> and you can still see evidence of it to this day. I hear... It's pretty prevalent in Colonial Williamsburg. I've never been. Oh, me neither. Um, th- there was even a huge pineapple, pineapple-shaped bit of architecture that was put up in uh, in Scotland in Dunmore Park in 1761. It, it much like one of those fruit piles at a fancy party. Mm-hmm. It's just the giant crown right at the center top of this building, um, and the building below it used to house a, a hot house. Oh, okay. which is part of what would make uh, pineapples able to be to be grown in more places. But uh, it's it's still there. You can still go visit it. I would love to. <laughs> it's really majestic. Take a second and Google it, y'all. There's a reason the pineapple is called the king of fruits. Um, <laughs> and that's not it either. Foods were pressed into pineapple oh, shapes. Right. Other foods were made to look like pineapple, uh, like cakes, cookies, candies, gelatin molds. 
I mean, it doesn't fit the alliteration, but no, still nice. Yeah. And also, uh, that had a resurgence in the fifties and sixties. Oh, absolutely. Probably due partially to tiki culture, which I have a note about much later. Right. So going back to Europe, they hadn't given up on growing their own pineapple. No. And with the advent of the hothouse in the 17th century, pineapples could be grown more widely in Europe. Um, the first recorded one was Duchess of Cleveland's hothouse in 1642. From which she gifted a pineapple to King Charles II, which is how the aforementioned painting came about. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But even with houses, pineapples couldn't be produced on a large scale, and the cost was still high due to the equipment and labor required. So high, in fact, that owning one of these hot houses meant for growing pineapples, which were called pineries or pineapple stoves, <laughs> became a symbol for wealth along with the pineapple. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> um, All right. Uh, yeah. You know. Cool. Look at my pinery. How much money I've got. Allegedly, in 1779, the pineapple was even used in political discourse with an egalitarian dissenter saying, What right has one man to eat a pineapple for which he gave a guinea when another is starving for want of a half penny worth of bread? Uh, and then his, his opponent responded saying, How many depend on their share of the guinea paid for the pineapple? When you shall have divided the guineas between all of these, I think the gentleman might eat with a good conscience. <laughs> uh, no serious pineapple discourse. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, in the 1770s, the British explorer James Cook planted pineapples in islands throughout the South Pacific. And uh, Lutheran missionaries introduced the pineapple to Australia in the 1830s, where it still grows. Mm-hmm. Especially in Queensland. Yes. Uh, meanwhile, as ship technology improved throughout the 1800s with uh, fast-sailing cutter ships and steamships, pineapples began to be imported from the Caribbean and Central America to wealthy folks in New York City, where oh. the trend continued to spread. Um, there was an attempt to grow them in the United States to avoid these high shipping costs. Uh, they, they were grown poorly in mm-hmm. Texas and California, and then uh, in Florida, a little bit more successfully starting in the eight, starting in 1860 in the Keys, and the most successfully in, in a belt along South Florida's east coast, stretching from Fort Pierce down to Miami, which I find personally fascinating because I lived in South Florida for a long time. Anyway, um, uh, th- that happened up through the early 20th century, um, but the plantations there wore out the soil, and that plus South Florida's tendency to occasionally experience frost wipe out the crop for good eventually. Oh, too bad. Mm-hmm. Also around the 1860s, pineapple from the Bahamas and Cuba was canned in Baltimore, which was the canning center of America. <laughs> I mean, ser- seriously, the, the, the technology was fairly new and pretty expensive. So it was oh, really okay. all based in Baltimore in, in terms of U.S. cannerying. But the pineapples canned around that time were picked green in order to save them from rotting during shipping. And they'll yellow over time, but like Annie said earlier, they won't ripen. So they're not as tasty as like a ripe pineapple. They kind of suck. Technicians in Baltimore developed the machines around that time that core and slice pineapples into the familiar rings. Oh, really? Mm Mm-hmm. And that more or less brings us to one of those companies we love so much that's named for a real actual... Once living dude, mm-hmm. dull, dull. But first, a quick break for a word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Ready? Okay. Give me a beach. Beach! Give me 
great food. Tacos. Give me adventure. Hiking. Give me a date night. Sunset cruise. Give me some smiles. Cheese. Give me more beaches. Beaches. What's that spell? San Diego. If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. Mm-hmm. Okay, Dole. Um, by this time in the 1800s, California was importing so much pineapple from Hawaii. But pineapple still didn't really take to the journey and frequently rotted along the way. Um, and an English horticulturist and captain, John Kidwell, got the idea to can pineapple in Hawaii and sell it in 1892. But he was not the first. Yeah, this this wasn't the first dude to can pineapple, yeah. No. Um, the U.S. tariff on imported fruits uh, made it pretty much impossible for him to make a profit. And he shut down in 1898, which was too bad for him because later that same year, the Hawaiian kingdom was annexed by the U.S. after the Spanish-American War, and the tariff was lifted. Uh, too bad for him <laughs> and bad for... Many parties involved. Yes. If you want to know more about this, check out uh, Stuff You Missed in History Classes podcast, their episode about it. Uh, yeah, it, it's a really intense and fascinating story uh, because because pineapples, or rather the agriculture barons who controlled the pineapple plantations, had a hand in overthrowing the Hawaiian monarchy as a U.S. commercial interest in local farmland was increasing. Um and and Kidwell also was just an extremely thorough and or possibly obsessed scientist. And he, he experimented with, I think, like 31 different strains of the plant from around the world, eventually uh, selecting the smooth cayenne mm-hmm. varietal and improving the growing conditions for it. So without Kidwell, the pineapple might never have become as globally popular and available as it has. So, uh, yeah, check out check out Stuff You Missed in History class for for all all about that. Because this episode is going to be long enough as it is without us repeating all the things that those incredible ladies say. Right. Yes. With Kidwell's pineapple research and canning equipment in place, the industry was easy enough to restart. And in 1900, Jim Dole, who was at the time 22 years old and knew nothing about canning, bought up 61 acres of land for growing pineapples during a homestead um, expanse program in the newly annexed Republic of Hawaii. Yes. Dole established the Hawaiian Pineapple Company in 1901, and by 1903, they had produced uh, about 1,900 cases of pineapple. Despite having been called by the local press, quote, a foolhardy venture. Foolhardy. (laughs) That's one of those great words that needs to come back. I know. Um, Part of the the success was was mere luck, really, um, because sugarcane, which until all this was Hawaii's biggest crop, doesn't do well at high elevations, so... That high elevation land was given over to the homesteaders and their pineapples. Pineapples thrive at high elevations. Huh. 
Sugarcane pops up again. Yeah. Um, the pineapple still wasn't the easiest crop, and Dole operated at a loss for several years in the beginning. Which he could weather due to his excellent connections, like like Dole's second cousin was, was governor of the territory of Hawaii at the time. Yeah, I'm sure that didn't hurt. He was, Dole, was very proactive in pushing for new technologies. And in 1913, this led to the invention of the Ganaka machine by Dole employee Henry Ganaka, this machine could remove the skin, core, and uh, take off the ends of pineapple in less than 30 seconds. Ooh, yeah. And, oh, that's frightening. Okay. <laughs> in 1918, Dole produced 1 million cans of pineapple, and a slightly improved version of the Ganaka machine is still used to this day. Dole was also really good at marketing his product, and a lot of new advertising ground was being broken at the time. After a market crash in 1907, Dole's company and six other pineapple growers formed up into the Hawaiian Pineapple Growers Association, and they would wind up mounting the first generic product ad campaign in the United States um, for for the food processing industry. Before then, you know, a a specific brand or something like that might have put out an ad ad campaign. This was the first time that an association like that had formed together to put out advertising for canned pineapple. (laughs) That's it. Yeah. Um, And it really worked and and was soon copied by lots of other industries. Mm -hmm. And partly because of that, by 1921, his business had taken off. And by 1923, Dole was packing more pineapple than anyone else in the business, and the pineapple was Hawaii's biggest industry. During the 1920s, it was perceived as a bit of a fad, uh, spawning culinary trends like the pineapple upside-down cake. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. All of his popularity was probably also partially due to the boom in air freight that started happening in the 1920s, which, of course, made shipping much quicker and easier, though it wouldn't start becoming, it, it wouldn't be really, really widespread until after World War II. Mm-hmm. And the pineapple industry took a bit of a hit, like most industries, during the Great Depression, which, just in case you don't know, it started in 1929. Uh, it got so bad that James Dole was forced to resign as president of the Hawaiian Pineapple Company in 1932. However, their development of technology to produce high-quality canned pineapple juice in 1933 would help them make up for the losses. Juice sales surged over the next couple decades. Mm -hmm. And though Dole was the most profitable, accounting for 75% of pineapples for the next seven decades, yeah, By the 1950s, eight other companies had taken note from Dole's success and set up shop in Hawaii. A series of reorganizations and consolidations would would help Dole's company along. And and side note here, uh, just something that I found super interesting while I was doing this research. Among all of the other growers and companies that started up in Hawaii, there were a great number of people of Japanese ancestry whose families had moved to the region as indentured sugar laborers in the late 1800s. Let me just take a moment and shake my fist at the sugar industry. Um, after after these people completed their labor, a lot of them moved into pineapple due to the better profits and working conditions. Working conditions for pineapple are kind of kind of terrible, so that's yeah. really saying something. At any rate, um, seven to eight percent of pineapple lands were owned by Japanese growers as of 1908, and by 1920, as the industry was shifting and consolidating, almost 88 percent of the small pineapple farms were Japanese run. They were largely bought out by big companies over the next few decades, but I don't know, just interesting immigrant story note, I thought, Mm -hmm. in there. At any rate. Yes. Uh, After World War II, the pineapple industry spread to places like Thailand and the Philippines, where uh, the labor costs were way lower, like nine-tenths lower. Hooray! Exploitation of overseas populations with fewer labor laws. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. As a result, the Hawaiian pineapple industry saw a significant decline by the 1960s, leading to lots more consolidations. Those finally ended in the company becoming known as Dole in 1989. Um, But despite attempts to innovate around canning and shipping a fresher product, Dole's cannery in Honolulu closed in 1991. Del Monte left Hawaii in 2008. Right. And most pineapple production in Hawaii today is to satisfy local demand. Mm-hmm. And Hawaiian cuisine does still regularly feature pineapple as an ingredient. Yes. Um, so that's a very condensed 
history. It, oh, that's an extremely condensed history. There's definitely years and years worth of material that we could that we could tell you specifically about about Dole and his company and the mob and the mafia and the, yeah, oh, so many things. I feel like I feel like there should be some kind of follow up episode about some specific little little break off topics. There's like entire chapters devoted just to pineapple juice in 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 history books about all of this. So that could happen, uh, but not now. Right now, uh, we're going to get into um, some of the depressing labor kind of issues, labor and environmental issues surrounding pineapples. But first, <laughs> let's take a quick break for a word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Let's hit it. Give me a vacation. Vacation. Give me a wave. Surfing. Give me a city tour. The trolley. Give me animals. The zoo. Give me some sea life. <laughs> Give me museums. Park. Give me a woo. What's that spell? San Diego. If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your family vacation at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of. A degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Oh, thank you, sponsor. And apologies for sometimes leading into your wonderful sponsorship with uh, really depressing tags. It just has to happen sometimes. It does. Like keep things interesting here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, the depressing stuff is interesting, so it makes people want to stick around. Mm-hmm. Okay, so the pineapple is another one of those stories of of just a lack of corporate concern for environmental and worker conditions in the face of expanding profits. Corporation would never do such a thing. No, never. Ridiculous. There always, there certainly wasn't an entire trope of cartoons in the 1980s devoted to how ridiculous. (laughs) Do you remember Captain Planet? Were you, were you, were you of that age, that Fern Gully, The Last Rainforest? That scared me. That movie scared me. Oh, me too. I still get the song that, that Tim Curry sings and that stuck in my head sometimes. I'm not going to treat you with it right now. Later. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, um, this in the pineapple industry is partially because one really efficient way to grow pineapples is as a monoculture, which means eliminating all the other plants in the area with herbicides. Uh, bugs and molds are also a problem. So add pesticides and fungicides into the mix. 
Um, in, in the final product, in the pineapple that you're going to get in a can or on your store shelf, these uh, these substances come through as legally allowable residues, ev- even here in in developed nations. Um, but they can be really disastrous to to the local humans and ecosystem where they're grown. The uh, the chemicals used on pineapples in their largest supplying country, Costa Rica are in fact totally illegal to use in Europe and other parts of the world due to their links to cancer, hormone disruption, and other chronic illnesses in local populations. As of 2007, the Costa Rican government had to start importing water in tankers because the groundwater was deemed unsafe for the for the populace to use. That's terrible. And uh, working conditions, yay. Mm-hmm. Uh, in, in Costa Rica, um, there have been reports of undocumented immigrants from Nicar- Nicaragua filling upwards of 60% of the pineapple plantation jobs because the, the labor is hard and the conditions are dangerous due to that chemical exposure. Um, but because the immigrants aren't citizens, they can't participate in local unions and, and other efforts that are working to assert worker rights. Similar things have gone on in the Philippines, particularly on dole plantations. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And to make matters worse, in Costa Rica, citizens who have fought for better conditions have sometimes been met with forceful resistance from the corporations. Um, mass firings and rehirings with poorer contracts that exclude union members, um, and, and even some, some people being, being threatened. There, there's uh, suspected beatings and arson involved in these kind of matters. So... If you enjoy delicious pineapple, but you don't want to support that kind of chicanery is a lighthearted word, but I, it means what I mean it to mean right here. Um, mm-hmm. if, if you don't want to support that kind of thing, what can you do? You can uh, buy fair trade certified pineapple if you can find it. Crops with that labeling are more likely to have been grown in conditions that prevent the need for heavy chemical use through practices like crop rotation. Um, they're, they're more likely to have treat, treated their workers fairly. Um, this is also where some folks would recommend buying organic, but that's a term in the U.S. anyway um, that doesn't have a strong enough legal meaning to to make a sure impact on the type of food that you're buying, mm-hmm. which we'll just have to do a whole other depressing episode about. Yeah. Yeah, that's a that's a big one that the more the more I learn about, the more upset I am about humanity. So I'm, I'm looking Look, forward to yeah, <laughs> looking forward to sharing that with you, friends. Um, <laughs> I, if, if it makes you feel better, um, go organic as well. Uh, agriculture is complicated and Fair trade. Yay. Yay, fair trade. Um, uh, moving out of that into some things that are, well, some of them are less depressing. SpongeBob is totally not depressing. Yes. Uh, so it's not to end on a, uh, <laughs> well, <laughs> to put some, add some cheer to this. Um, <laughs> this is our pineapple culture snippet. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so SpongeBob, obviously, at least for me, um, L- lives in a pineapple under the sea. He does. Uh huh. I watched that through college. Oh my goodness! I, I actually, I actually had no, I, I had never watched it before, and uh-huh. and I was trapped in this in this terrible, um, not not trivia. What's the one where your partner depends on you to to be able to guess clues? Oh. Anyway, one of those games, and and she was she was like just staring at me, and she was like, SpongeBob lives in one of these under the sea, and I was like, a sea cucumber? I don't know. It was a very painful game. At any rate, <laughs> cultural point, SpongeBob. Yes. Um, also, a tiki bar culture. The, mm-hmm. That boom of pineapple juice sales in the early 1930s may have had to do with, um, with with prohibition ending that year and with the rise of tiki bar culture starting in 1934. That's when Don Beach, which he renamed himself after having been born Ernest Raymond Beaumont Gant. Okay. Um, Don Beach returned from rum, from rum running in the South Pacific and opened Don's Beachcomber Cafe in California in 1934. Um, it became an it spot for Hollywood royalty and, and started uh, a fad for all things vaguely and or offensively Polynesian themed. Mm-hmm. And the popularity of that would stretch through the early 1970s and employ just really a great deal of pineapples. Tiki bar culture is in the midst of a resurgence, as you may have noticed. And we'll have to do, speaking of other homework I'm giving us, like we'll totally have to do a whole other episode about the, the kitsch and nostalgia and appropriation and other weirdness that goes along with this completely delightful thing. 
Right. <laughs> I, do you get cravings for like Mai Tais on a frequent basis? No. No? Oh, I do. I, uh, yeah, sweet. I'm not big into sweet drinks, but a, a well-made pina colada. Mm. I know. Sorry. <laughs> um, recently a student in Scotland left a pineapple at an art exhibit, hoping it would be mistaken for art. And sure enough, he returned four days later. Uh, and there was a glass case around his pineapple. <laughs> People were looking at it, thought it was modern art. I love that. That's am- he didn't include the glass case. No, he just he just left a pineapple. He just dropped a pineapple off. Yeah, it was like on a kind of elevated. Um, it's not a table, but like a pedestal. Like sure. Uh-huh. And he left it there. And when he came back, someone had put a glass case, and it was a heavy <laughs> glass case that took four people to move. So yeah. Wow. They thought it was art. And actually, I looked at it, and I appreciated the pineapple's beauty in a way I hadn't previously. I mean, I suppose it became art at it that did. point. It so did. I was appreciating it, for sure. <laughs> Speaking of appreciation, let's uh, let's do some listener mail. Yes. Mm-hmm, because we're, we're, that, that's about what we've got to say about pineapples. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So both of these are in response to our juicing episode. Mm-hmm. And this first one is from Micah. Micah wrote in with, I am actually very thankful that you both did an episode on juice cleanses. Having been taught about the dangers of juice cleanses in my organismal biology class at Georgia Tech, Go Jackets, also my alma mater, side note, um, (laughs) I understand how important it is that people be informed of the risks that come with this diet. What surprises me is that even those who have the awareness of what these diets do to your health can still somehow justify trying them. There are some people who will even practice fasting three or four days out of the week, not for spiritual or religious purposes, but out of a sincere belief or desperate hope that it will lead to permanent weight loss, which is far from being a consequence of regular fasting. I think it really speaks to the insecurities we experience when it comes to our physical appearance and the lengths we will go to in order to feel comfortable in our skin. Our susceptibility to deception seems to be disproportionately high in this area to how connected it is to the Western concept of self-worth and how little regulation there is when it comes to promotion of these diets and their effects on health in America. My hope is that changing ideas of health and wellness will lead to a rejection of these fad diets and bring us closer to a unified movement towards balancing our diets and decreased consumption of unhealthy food and harmful dieting practices. Maybe then we can start to feel better about our bodies, not because of their physical appearance per se, but because of how good we feel on the inside. Yeah. Oh, that's we we wanted to we wanted to read that one because it just summed up how we felt about it so 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 beautifully. Yeah. And I responded with like, um this is all very important to both Lauren and I. Mm-hmm. I have strong thoughts and opinions on this. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure we will do an episode, but it is, it's crazy how you, you can convince yourself, even if you know. Even if you know. You know. Yeah. It, but just, it can't work. It can't work, but, but just, yeah. just try anything, just try it, just do it, just maybe. Oh. Yeah. Yes. yes. So thank you for writing in, Micah. Yes. And we will definitely come back to that at some point. Absolutely. Um, uh, uh, our other note about the juicing episode came in from Chris. The Welch's history as an anti-alcohol alternative really made me laugh since, as a home winemaker, I, like most of my peers, recommend anyone who wants to try out home winemaking starts with frozen Welch's 100% juice. It has no preservatives and it's cheap, allowing for a gallon batch of wine for about $10. It's a great, do I really want to do this, batch for newbies. While it's never going to be mistaken for Turlato, I don't know things about wine. It's better than your average bottle of two buck chuck. (laughs) That's great. Yeah. I also, I want to... I want to go try that now. I know, me too. We should do it. Food stuff test. Oh, oh yeah. There, there you go. Test, test of the episode. We haven't had one yet. Yes. Okay. Oh, and the pizza bonus for this one is really easy. Oh, pineapple pizza. Yeah. Oh, I always loved pineapple pizza. <laughs> oh, poor Lauren. <laughs> 
but no, I'll, I'll go, I'll have to go check out. I'll have to go, um, see if I can get a food allergist type human to, yeah. or gast- gastroenterologist of some kind to help me figure out what's going on. Yeah. Cause if you could be having canned juice, canned fruit. Yeah. I'm, I'm dubious because I, I feel like I've had a baked good that was sweetened with pineapple juice mm. that still made me super sick. So oh, no. that feels like probably, I don't know. Probably. Yeah. But maybe it was fresh juice. I don't know. <laughs> Go get tested. Okay. I'll, we'll keep our fingers crossed. Okay. For you Absolutely. Thank you. Um, if you guys would like to write in with any other health advice or, um, or, or anything else that you would like to tell us, uh, or share with us, uh, you can do that. Yes. We have an email at foodstuff at howstuffworks.com. Mm-hmm. We also have a Twitter at foodstuffhsw and an Instagram at foodstuff. Uh, yeah, we share some videos and pictures of the adventures that we've been having. Yeah. Come check it out. Definitely. Let us know what you think. Um, and yeah, we hope lots more good things are coming your way. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Ready? Let's go. Give me a vacation. Vacation! Give me a golf course. 70 courses! Let's get a water sport. Can I get excursions? Time for chill vibes. Beach How about a garden tour? Give me a dolphin. What's that spell? If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply.